Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for anyone who loves cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi. It's been a, um, a great music week here, oh. in, here in the U.S. Yes, it really has. The internet really kind of lost their minds there, huh? We needed something. You know, I feel like there's yeah. not been a lot of, like, great news or great, like... Yeah, the midterms to, are coming up. Ugh. It's bad. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I got to ask you, which which team were you on Friday? Were you Team Swift or Team Jepson? Uh, I think I was... I wasn't either. <laughs> I, I I was at work and I think I forgot and I just saw a lot of... I read a lot of articles about the oh, Midnight's yeah. release. I had That's, a, that's I basically had what a, I did. a reminder on my calendar that wow. Taylor Swift was coming out at midnight and um, then proceeded to listen to that whole album like four times through on Friday and then also... Then the 3M, 3 a.m. version of the album came out. Yes, people were losing their mind. I just actually it's just like posted extra this. extra songs. My, yeah, I just posted this to my Instagram. Someone tweeted this. Taylor Swift makes music for people who cried during the AP English exam and still got a five, which I think is very funny. <laughs> is it funny? It's a very... <laughs> it was, it's just a very specific... <laughs> It's just a very specific thing that I think is very funny. To be fair, I cried during the AP English exam and only got a four. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I was just telling Lord, I was like, okay, feeling good, feeling good, getting my, getting my jaw jabbered, mm-hmm. getting, getting all loose, getting elastic yep. here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because today we were talking about cartoons we're talking specifically about Hanna-Barbera cartoons oh boy so I've been this is one of those topics that I've been talking about doing probably talking to Josh about doing uh, for like 200 episodes because yeah. I was like, there's a lot of Hanna-Barbera characters that I can't keep track of or oh, didn't yeah. know if it was Hanna-Barbera or whatever. Meanwhile, like my mother would, you know, be able to rattle off a whole sure. list of everything because Hanna-Barbera, of course, their had generation. its like heydays and mm-hmm. the, the late boomers. So yep. um, first of all, I found a really great book um, called The Art of Hanna-Barbera, 50 Years of Creativity by Ted Sennett that was published in 1989. It's like a beautiful book. It has lots of like art and sketches and photos and interviews and all sorts of things. And that was um, very useful in in my research of today's Good. Uh, topic. So I suggest taking a look at that if you were so inclined. So basically, Hanna-Barbera, that's it's two guys, okay? So, oh, okay. It's not. It's not two ladies named Hannah and Barbara. Wouldn't that be cute? We could <laughs> or like, Barbara. Mm, well, maybe we can reboot them. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so basically, Bill Hannah and Joe Barbera first met at the cartoon department of the MGM Studios in 1937. Um, so Joe, he was born in 1911 to an I- Italian immigrant family that moved to the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn. He spent a lot of his like rainy days inside copying illustrations for magazines, and he really cultivated a love of drawing and art and theater all throughout high school. After graduation, he got to work at a bank at age 16, and he um, at nighttime would like draw cartoons for magazines and like try to earn a couple, you know, 
pence mm-hmm. here and there. Um, he also <laughs> took figure drawing classes to sharpen his skills, and that later landed him a job painting and inking animation cells for the Fleischer Studios that, that were in New York at the time. Um, so when I when I talk about animation cells, um, cell C E L, it's um, it's basically a cute abbreviation for celluloids, which were the transparent mm. sheets that you would draw. Um, these characters on for animation. Um, the Fleischer Studios created Betty Boop and Popeye, among other oh. characters, which have been around for more than a century, Ages. which is bonkers. Um, so Joe also went to work as an animator at the Van Buren Studio in Manhattan, where he also learned story writing to go along with cartooning. His counterpart, who whom he had not yet met. Um, Bill Hanna was born in 1910 in Melrose, New Mexico, where his father was superintendent of construction for the early Santa Fe railway stations. Their family moved around a lot during his childhood, um, but he was very musically inclined. Several Hmm. of his family members were also writers, and Bill went on to major in journalism and engineering at Compton Junior College in California. Um, He found work after college as an engineer building the Pantages Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, He did realize though that structural engineering was not his calling um mm. and through his Same. brother yeah it's not my <laughs> calling i think that's just what i'm gonna say to people mm, you know what it just just wasn't yeah. for me it just wasn't my calling yeah not my journey <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so through Bill's brother-in-law, he learned about a new animation company called Harmon Ising Studios, and they were starting work on early Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies shorts. You oh, okay. also may have heard of these. Um, so Bill started working at Harmon Ising, which like Harmon, H-A-R-M-A-N dash Ising, I-S-I-N-G. That is like honestly their names. It was Hugh Harmon and Rudy Ising. Harmonizing Studios. I that's couldn't have made it up better. No, you can't. You you can't buy that kind of right. Like they were brainworm type marketing. Yeah, perfect. that's amazing. Um, so Bill started working there, and he was the head of tracing in the painting departments there. And he also began writing music and lyrics for the cartoons. So Harmonizing <laughs> signed a contract with MGM, and Hannah joined an artist named Paul Fennell to produce m- cartoon musicals for the company. So when MGM opened their own cartoon studio in 1937, the head of that unit, Fred Quimby, poached Hannah as a writer and also as a director for some of those. Mm. And Quimby also contacted various talented New York City animators to add to their studio in California, which included Joe Barbera. So the MGM animation studio... They were trying to pull together like some of the best of the best. Um, They had some rough years at the start um, through the 1940s, but then they finally were able to make some big hits. And Mm. um, Barbara and Hannah are a big reason why. So Barbara, he's an excellent cartoonist. And Mm -hmm. Hannah, he has great organizational skills, a great sense of comedic timing and writing. And together they started working as a team on their own time. So they weren't, oh, they wow. weren't like first paired up. They just kind of, you know, like met over the water cooler talking about yeah. whatever you talked about in 1938, <laughs> that, that new Gone with the Wind film. Um, <laughs> and after a few hiccups, they came up with a cartoon centered around a cat and a mouse. And in 1940, the cartoon Puss Gets the Boot was released. This mm. was the very first Tom and Jerry cartoon. Okay. 
Yes. So interesting. In its gotcha. original run, Hannah and Barbera produced 114 Tom and Jerry shorts for MGM from 1940 to 1958. And during this time, they won seven Academy Awards for Best Animated Short Film, which basically like tied them for first place with Walt Disney's Silly Symphonies with the most awards ever in this category. Which is crazy to me because Tom and Jerry cartoons have the same plot for every single one. Look, Lauren... I mean, <laughs> we keep, uh, 80 years later, we're just watching Marvel films. Okay. <laughs> I like, mean, you're not wrong. I'm just saying like, <laughs> um, for trivia purposes, Tom mm. is a gray and white domestic short haired, uh, mute tuxedo cat. Whose full name is Thomas Jasper cat senior. He's yeah. got a son? I think at some point he is a kid. Right? Oh, okay. I don't know. He's, <laughs> don't yeah, know. the dirty dog. Uh, and uh, Jerry, the cute brown mouse, his full name is Gerald Jinx Mouse. And I think Jinx was actually originally supposed to be the character's name, but they ended up going with, with Jerry, Jerry. Just as, yeah. you know, kind of. Kind of jazz it up it, a little bit. Yeah, make it run together better. Mm-hmm. So Bill and Joe, they create. They also ended up creating animation sequences for films like Anchors Away, okay. which starred Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, oh, yeah. and Gene Kelly. Also, Dangerous When Wet. That's the movie with Esther Williams where she does a swimming sequence with Tom and Jerry. And Oh, weird. Yeah, it's, yeah I've seen clips of it in things. It's, it is kind of funny to be like, why is Fred Astaire dancing <laughs> with Jerry the Mouse? Uh, yeah. But, but it's also like, I mean... Paula Abdul danced with the MC Scat right. Cat and opposite, opposites attract. So it's not right. that much different. They I were guess. way ahead of their time. But also like, I think it probably would have been really cool to like be at a movie theater and just kind of like, yeah, be like what? Wait, what? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so like they also ended up doing some animation sequences for other shows too. They did the title sequence for I Love Lucy. Oh, hey, which, okay. Yeah. So they're, they, they were multitasking, let's say. Mm hmm. In early 1957, MGM decided they were actually just going to stop spending money on creating new cartoons and essentially shut down their animation studio Um, because they were like still making money off of like all the stuff that had already been made, especially the Tom and Jerry shorts. So Hannah and Barbera, they went to other agencies and studios in Hollywood, but a lot of them said, hey, you know what? We're not going to do cartoons anymore either. Like they're too expensive. Like, you know, you Mm. think about it. um, What was the that you learned? It's like there's... takes 24 pictures to make one second of animation yeah um so they were like oh this is just too expensive so the two decided you know what we've been doing this for like a couple of decades now they decided they had enough experience and talent to set up their own studio so with mgm director george sydney's investment they founded hb enterprises um the two actually flipped a coin to see whose name would come first in the company's name mm. and it would later be known as hanna-barbera studios so over time, these two created so many original characters. They did so many shows and their company especially went on to do just so many things. So yeah. I am not going to recap every single type of thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could, you know, you know, people love a six hour long podcast, right? Um, all the time all the time you put them right to sleep um so basically i'm just gonna first cover 
major original Hanna-Barbera shows to know. I will also mm-hmm. cover some characters you should recognize and then mm-hmm. talk about some other fun trivia related things. So great. Yes. So some major original Hanna-Barbera shows to know. The very first one is called the Rough and Ready Show. This was Uh-oh. on from 1957 to 1960. Rough is R-U-F-F. It's mm. okay. exactly yeah. how I picture it. Exactly. Picture it actually. <laughs> this was one of the earliest Saturday morning cartoons and it was the very first series made by Hanna-Barbera Productions. So Rough is a smart tan cat and Ready is a brave but not that bright white dog. Their best friends, their housemates. I'm reading mm. all this, and it's like sounds very much like Ren and Stimpy to me. Yes, also. Like, yeah. Like so, we have some. You'll see a lot of parallels with um, modern day shows that are kind of oh, getting okay. some ideas from some of these previous ones. Interesting. Um, so Rough and Ready, it's also notable as one of the earliest original animated television programs, and it pioneered the use of limited animation techniques, which means like they reused a lot of background stuff. They reused a lot of um, body movements, you know, over mm-hmm. and over that you didn't have to animate like the whole character. Yeah, um, every you, single time. Maybe you only need to do their face a little bit at a time. So up until that point, you were getting like, you know, those... 24 yeah. 24 pictures to make one second of a of animation it's and, wild like yeah you think about stuff like um stop motion animation too mm-hmm. like what so, so much, much work in time so much work in time oh my gosh um the next show to know the huckleberry hound show so that oh, was yeah. on mm-hmm. from 1958 to 1961. It was syndicated and sponsored by Kellogg's. Um, there were three segments included in the program. The first one featured Huckleberry Hound, another starred Yogi Bear, and a third starred two mice, Pixie and Dixie, who in each short found a new way to outwit a cat named Mr. Jinx, um, whose mm. catchphrase was, I hate those mises to pieces. Um, So the Yogi Bear segment of the show became extremely popular on its own. And then as a result, it did spawn its own series in 1960, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, The Huckleberry Hound show is often credited with legitimizing the concept of animation produced specifically for television. And in Mm. 1960, it became the first animated program to receive an Emmy Award. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, Huckleberry Hound. So, of course, out of that came the Yogi Bear show from 1961 to 1962. Yogi Bear, who was, of course, smarter than the average bear. Um, And his sidekick, Boo Boo Bear, uh, they reside in Jellystone Park. And they would often, you know, try to steal picnic baskets while evading Ranger Mm -hmm. Smith. And Yogi also has a girlfriend named Cindy Bear. And along uh, with the show, it originally wasn't just Yogi Bear doing things. They also had two other segments in the show. Um... One of them was Snagglepuss, a pink mountain lion, who I will also talk about a little later on. And then Yaki Doodle, who is a cartoon duck. Yeah, I've never heard of Yaki Doodle. Well, (laughs) you know who you have heard of? The Flintstones, 1960 to 1966. So the Flintstones are Fred and Wilma and their pet dinosaur, Dino. They eventually have baby Pebbles and their next door neighbors, the Rubbles, Barney, Wilma, and eventually um, their adopted son, Bam Bam, and their pet, Hoppy. It was the first animated series to have a primetime slot on television. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize I didn't realize it was like a nighttime show. But yes, their plots deliberately resemble the television sitcoms of the era. So the families are Mm -hmm. getting into like 
minor conflicts that are characteristic of modern life, while of course being set in the town of Bedrock during the Stone Age. Um, Mm -hmm. William Hanna admitted that they were greatly influenced by the Honeymooners. (laughs) And uh, the Flintstones, while it was always produced in color, was broadcast in black and white for its first two seasons. Mm. Its first two seasons were also co-sponsored by Winston Cigarettes, and the characters also (laughs) appeared in several black and white TV commercials for Winston Cigarettes. And then when... Right? Yeah, it's the 60s, man. Um, When Welch's grape juice and grape jellies became the primary sponsor, the show's audience kind of began to shift younger and the the cigarette sponsorship kind of went away. Kind of went away. I do remember the Flintstones being on the Welch's glass jelly jars that he cleaned out would be drinkable. Absolutely. And... That was still a thing and when still we a thing were in the kids. 80s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wonder if you could... Pro- I can kind of still picture them on a, on a shelf yeah. somewhere, you know? Um, so yes, of course, Welch's produced their line of grape jelly that was packaged in jars, reusable as drinking glasses that had painted scenes featuring the Flintstones and characters from the show. Um, Miles Laboratories, which is now part of Bear Corporation and their one-a-day vitamin brand, was the alternate sponsor of the mm-hmm. original Flintstones. And in the late 1960s, Miles introduced Flintstones Chewable Vitamins, which were fruit-flavored multivitamin tablets for children in the shape of the Flintstones characters. They are delicious. still being sold today. They're right? delicious. So it's like, you know, maybe we have, maybe like our kids don't watch the Flintstones, but like we just talked. <laughs> also, Pebbles is the oldest uh-huh. cereal brand based on characters from a TV series or movie that is still being sold. You know what? I didn't even, it didn't even register with me that Pebbles was related to the Flintstones. Cocoa Pebbles I mean, are I'm, one of my favorite cereals. <laughs> delicious. delicious. Delicious chocolatey. Yes. Turns your milk chocolatey. So chocolatey. It's wonderful. So oh, good. Del- so yeah, like wonderful. we're still, you know, our mouths are still very heavily influenced by the Flintstones. Which is so weird because it's not like, like you're not coming across a Flintstones TV show. It's not like you're turning on the TV at 6 a.m. on Saturdays and watching it. It's true. At least not now with like streaming and stuff. Right. So like it's, this. these are these weird vestiges yes. of like a very old cartoon that a kid will never watch but will definitely be like, mom, can I have a Flintstone vitamin? You know, like it's... <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't write down the exact number here, but uh, anecdotally, the Flintstones has just had so many spinoffs and so many spinoff oh, series. Yeah. And like, it, you know, I think any kind of cartoon network type... Uh, programming oh, yeah. is just gonna be able to f- you're you're gonna be able to get like 24 hours of Flintstones of mm. various Flintstones if you really if you really are so inclined. if you really wanted to yeah um but yeah especially early on they started out with a lot more like adult type humor um oh, and okay. then it's kind of like you know geared a little bit more toward toward elementary school kids but mm-hmm. um one more thing about pebbles too the original working names for the cereals which today they're fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles and and they mm-hmm. have been since 1971 um the original working names were flint chips and rubble stones <laughs> consistent with the appearance of the Gross. cereal and the stone age imagery mm, mom can i have a bowl of flint chips flint chips flint chips. that sounds like it would be painful and to rubble eat. stones yeah, so rubble stones. Seems like pebbles is just n- such a nicer. Yeah, it's it's somewhat more appetizing. Yeah, but exactly. Um, so who's the counterpart to the Flintstones, Lauren? 
Well, it's the Jetsons, Julia. It is the Jetsons, Lauren, from 1962 <laughs> to 1965. And then also they brought them back from 1985 to 1987. Oh, I didn't um, know that. So they're basically, again, like the space age, like response to the Flintstones. The Jetsons debuted as the first program broadcast in color on the ABC network. Oh, hey. The family lives in Orbit City with architecture done in the Googie style and all the buildings are raised high above the ground on adjustable columns. Um, George Jetson, of course, lives with his family in the Skypad apartments. His wife, Jane, is a homemaker. Their teenage daughter, Judy, attends Orbit High School and their son, Elroy, attends the Little Dipper School. Um, they have a robot maid named Rosie. Their dog is named mm-hmm. Astro. Uh, according to the CBC Radio 1 series, Under the Influence, the original cartoon series from the 1960s portrayed several devices that did not exist at the time, but subsequently have been invented and are in common usage today. Interesting. Including a flat screen television, newspaper on a computer-like screen, video chatting, computer viruses, a tanning bed, oh. and a home treadmill. Oh, interesting. I did also see, I don't know if I, I don't know where I saw it. I'm sure it was like on Twitter or something where there's this theory that, um, that the Jetsons and the Flintstones are not only in the same universe, but they're the same time period. And that the Jetsons are like the elite sky people that live in these giant, like rich pads. And then all of the pores live down on the earth and like, and have to eat, you know, like primordial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like very primeval kind of, you know, style of living. And that's like how the, the, you know, socioeconomic divide has <laughs> happened in the future or something insane like that. It's just very dark. Oh, man. Someone tried to get their dissertation in economics yeah. based on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I re- I mean, I I watched The Jetsons. I, re- I mean, I yeah. watched all these shows, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I remember like thinking they were funny. I mean, I know that some of these had laugh tracks too, which... Nowadays, you wouldn't even dream of putting a laugh track on a cartoon, but. Yeah, it was weird. And I remember the laugh tracks being weirdly loud, like it was mixed really high. So it was just like this loud screaming laughter during like the mildest of jokes. Um, And I remember really here's okay. Full disclosure, something you should know about me. I really don't like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And I think it has something to do with the episode. (laughs) I think it has something to do with just like my visceral reaction to like sixties and seventies, like just the visual style of like cartoons and interior design and all of that stuff. Like really, I don't know. It's something I need to unpack in therapy. I think right. like, so I don't know Lauren why it's fun. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> why should I even continue? You know what? Lauren's going to turn off her microphone for the rest of the episode. And I'll just no, tell I'm the not. rest of you I'm about <laughs> all of this. <laughs> I'm just mutely screaming into the computer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just I just couldn't I I couldn't get into it. I think it was the laugh tracks and like just the stilted way of animating. I don't know. I'm sorry to tell you this halfway through your episode. Oh my I'm like gutted right now. <laughs> so sorry. I was so excited for this. I'm so sorry. No, I'm interested to hear I about hope, it. Like, three I mean, people I, listening are enjoying this, I guess. Unless no. everybody else hates no, it too. I am a hundred percent a minority. You guys I am sat through all my geography episodes, <laughs> my presidents <laughs> no. and dictators and no and here we go it's like cartoon episode is stupid (laughs) 
right. <laughs> no, I am a minority in this. I guarantee. And I'm listening. This is interesting. Well, I like I wish it. You didn't tell me that because that was I'm sorry. The real went out of my sails, Lauren. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Forget I said it. You know what? I'm wrong. I that's really good. I just love the Flintstones. Is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry. No, you know what I hated the most was HR Puff and stuff. That's that's the media yeah, that I really like. That's bad. That's it is. It's very bad, bad stuff from that period. I think it's just something like my grandparents used to watch it, and I just had like a bad association. It's it's me. It's not you. It's not Hanna Barbera. It's me, Joel. <laughs> I really like a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. Good. Here. I'm glad. Like, no, that's good. <laughs> leaving all of this in all right uh this was one of my mom's favorite shows and i remember i remember watching this obviously in reruns um it was called wacky races so it was on from 1968 to 1970 oh i've never heard of it yeah if you are you know people that like f if you like f1 drive to survive you would like wacky races this series features 11 different cars that (laughs) race against each other in various road rallies throughout north america it was inspired by the 1965 film the great race um so the lone female driver is penelope pit stop um she drives the number five car called the compact pussycat um the um, archetypal mustache twirling villain is named Dick Dastardly. He has okay. that wheezy snickering dog mm-hmm. Muttley. They drive I'm the looking mean it up machine, right now. which is double mm-hmm. zeros. Um, so yeah, all the vehicles have have their own name. The the driver has their own personality traits, and you know, throughout the series, they you know some of them win races. Of course, the mean machine people never do win the races, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so Good. yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun, and I remember I remember watching some of that with my mom. Of course, finally, the the biggest original series that you need to know is Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Um, yes. So that original that was only 41 episodes really it felt like i must it was on for like a decade right yeah yeah yeah. they they produced episodes from 1969 to 1970 and then again in 1978 only 41 episodes total wow um so this was a recent early question um the four teenagers are fred jones daphne blake velma dinkley and norville shaggy rogers and they're talking great dane scooby-doo they travel in their van Norville? Norville. Yeah. Like Deborah Norville? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that occurred to me. That's weird. Yeah. No you wonder got- he took the name Shaggy. Yeah, guys, you gotta know you gotta know characters' real names. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. If um, you learn nothing from this this podcast. Yeah, exactly. No characters' no real characters names. real names. Also, this came up at work today. Um Teddy Ruxpin. You remember Teddy Ruxpin talking? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, his name was originally supposed to be Simeon Greep. No, no. And they must have taken what? it to some control groups. They're like, does your child want to play with a Simeon Greep doll? And the parents <laughs> are like, no, thank you. Can we name him something nicer? Greep is too close Greep. to creep. Right. So Simeon Creep means monkey creep. <laughs> that's not good. None, no. of, none of that is good. No. So I hope that's useful oh for you guys anyway. Anyway, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Um, this was the result of CBS and Hannah Barbera's plans to create a nonviolent Saturday morning program that would kind of satisfy the parents who didn't want their kids to watch superhero shows because there were just so okay. many of those happening at the time. So they needed something that was like nonviolent. And 
what better way than to put four four teens in a, in a mystery van with a dog, a talking dog, and solve mysteries, low stakes mysteries. There have been so many spinoffs of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Oh, yeah. Um, I could have probably just done an episode on Scooby-Doo. That kind of would have been fun. Easily. Forget it. Now I never will. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> you could do it, Julia. As, here's the thing. The conceit of this show is that you teach me something and I teach you something. Alternating back and forth. Yeah, but usually we don't tell each time. other we hate the topic right in the middle of no, it. <laughs> I did not say I hated it. I said I really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't want to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like Hitler, but I would like to know more about, you know, why he did the things he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Do you want a I different soundbite? Would you like to put to put in a different soundbite there? No, you know what? I did say I don't like Hitler. <laughs> so that's important. That's the important thing. I don't. There's a firm stance from both of us here at Misinformation. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> <laughs> so besides those programs, here mm-hmm. are some original Hanna-Barbera characters that you should be able to recognize. Like, yes. you know, sometimes there's visual rounds at trivia, right? And you're like, Absolutely. who the hell is this white horse with a cowboy hat and a holster and a spurs? Um, what? So quick, <laughs> quick that? that's quick draw McGraw, my friend. Oh, okay. So quick draw McGraw, he has a red cowboy mm-hmm. hat. He has a red holster, a light blue bandana. Um, he, quick draw is usually depicted as a sheriff in a series of short films set in the old West. And he's often accompanied by his deputy a tan mexican borough named baba louis um mm. by the way this is how gary delabate one of the producers of the howard stern show got his nickname in 1990 oh, he wow. was discussing his prized collection of animation cells and misstated the name of mcgraw's sidekick as baba Bowie, which oh, okay. howard and everybody else of course jumped on and rode to death into the ground for the next 30 years so um anyway quick draw uh interesting his main catchphrases were now hold on there and "Ooh, that smarts and <laughs> sometimes quick draw would also assume the identity of the spanish masked vigilante el cabong <laughs> in a spoof of Zorro. So I don't remember that. Oh, as El Cabong, Quickdraw would attack his enemies by swooping down on a rope and yelling Ole and then hitting them on the head with an acoustic guitar with a loud Kabong. Okay. Mm-hmm. El Cabong. I guess. So it he now. looked he was like a white horse that was dressed up like Zorro. Was El Cabong. Yeah. Um I don't know why. That's one of the ones that Josh remembered really well. <laughs> it's weird how certain things just kind of stick in your brain and then that's just part of your own personal like you know headcanon for the rest of your life. <laughs> now, um Snagglepuss, I did mention him a little bit earlier. Um he's a pink anthropomorphic mountain lion who wears an upturned shirt collar and cuffs and a black bow tie. Um Snagglepuss enjoys the finer things in life. Um mm-hmm. he has kind of like a cowardly lion Bert Lar inspired voice. And some of his 
very campy verbal mannerisms kind of became catchphrases. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do them in the voice, but he would say things like heavens to Murgatroyd and yes. exit stage mm-hmm. left. And he had a very a huge fondness for closing sentences with the emphatic even. So he'd be like, oh, why did you do that even? Like, you know. Or, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reminds so me he was death. <laughs> From death <laughs> last. I don't know why. <laughs> I was going to say he's coded gay, but I guess... A little bit. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. He could see that. Yeah. He enjoys the finer things in life. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? He's like the Pink Panthers, like, yeah, very dramatic cousin. Yeah. I was going to say he looks a lot like the Pink Panther. (laughs) Um, There's also Top Cat, which Mm. um, was... Um, 1961, 1962, which is way earlier than it looks. When you look at Top Cat cartoons, right, I'm gonna it, it looks very 1980s to me. Um, Interesting. So Top Cat, is a, he's a yellow furred cat. He wears a purple pork pie hat and a matching vest. He's the leader of a gang of Manhattan Alley cats who live in Hoagie's Alley. Um, Top Cat and his gang were created as a parody of the Phil Silver show from 1955 to 1959. That was a successful military comedy whose lead character, Sergeant Bilko, was like a fast-talking con artist. So Top Cat and his gang, they constantly hatch get-rich-quick schemes through scams they all backfire, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So the sh- the series wasn't super popular at first when it aired in primetime, but it became very successful in Saturday morning reruns and for some reason remains remarkably popular in Latin American countries. Interesting. Like, they still brand things with Top Cat, like, you know, the characters in, in several Latin American mm-hmm. countries, which I find very interesting. You're right. This does look very 1980s to me as well. Like, this would be something that we would have watched... Right. New, like, yeah. like fresh yeah. as kids. Yeah, it just didn't like the yeah the 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 visual style of it didn't read sixties to me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would agree. But what does is Magilla Gorilla. So he is an anthropomorphic gorilla who wears human accessories. He has a purple bow tie <laughs> and red shorts that are yes. held up by green suspenders, and he has a purple mm-hmm. derby hat and he wears brown dress shoes. So he lives at Melvin Peebles Pet Shop, and a lot of the episodes revolve around him getting purchased for a short time and then getting returned to the shop for a <laughs> refund. Uh, Magilla often ended episodes with a catchphrase, "We'll try again next week." Um, oh, that's sad. Yeah. So I'm kind of heartbroken. <laughs> I know, right? So his name um, in Yiddish, um, Megillah, is a long, tedious, or embroidered account from the Hebrew Megillah, which is a story uh, okay. written in a scroll. And um, one episode has Megillah saying, such a Megillah over a gorilla. So it's kind of, it's just kind of a funny origin name. Um, as I mentioned up at the top, uh, Jabberjaw, who is a 15-foot amphibious great white shark, uh, Jabberjaw is the drummer for the Neptunes, which is a rock group comprised of four teenagers named Biff and Shelly and Bubbles and Clamhead, who live <laughs> in an underwater civilization no. in the year nope. 2076. No, no, this is not real. You snuck in a fake one. <laughs> I am on to you. What? So Jabberjaw and the Neptunes travel to various underwater cities where they encounter and deal with assorted villains who want to conquer the undersea world. Um, and this first aired in 1976. Um, is a pretty like distinctive looking. Yeah. Shark. He's a big, kind of capitalizing he, on like jaws type fame at the time. 
I'm blown away. I I do remember Jabberjaw the character the character. I had no idea that this was like a futuristic. They all had to have band and um the number of <sighs> Hanna Barbera shows that were like four kids who are in a band and solve mysteries yeah. or fight crime or have a pet blank. Um, it's wild. Like so, I mentioned I mentioned Scooby Doo. Where are you? Obviously. Um, at the library where I where I work at the Strong National Museum of Play, um, mm. we have a huge little Golden Books collection, and we were moving some of the books one day, and I came across something called the Clue Club, which was pretty much everybody looked like from Scooby Doo, but just had different colored hair, and the dog was like <laughs> a Dalmatian or something instead of a Great Dane. Oh wow! But I was like, okay, who like ripped off? Who ripped off Scooby Doo? Well, Hannah yeah. Bear ripped themselves off because they also produced the Clue Club. So it was like, what? They, Did they just, run out of ideas. You know, like what? Again, again, it's just like the superhero universe. They're just, <laughs> just like, well, this worked. Well, I mean, we might as worked. well keep going. Somebody else will buy some of this, right? Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, as I've been googling to see images of some of these things, uh, there was an Aquaman Jabberjaw like crossover special like comic book in the DC yeah, sure. comics. And the visual of it is very funny because Jabberjaw <laughs> is like a realistic looking shark. Oh, instead of <laughs> holding drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of terrifying. And then in the background are the Neptunes and they're, you know, beautiful. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's a comic book, so <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's speaking of wild, uh, Hong Kong Fui. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a yellow dog. He has brown ears. He wears an orange and white robe and he has kind of a black eye mask. This is the secret identity of Penrod Penry Pooch, who works at a police mm. station as a mild mannered janitor under the watchful eye of Sergeant Flint. Um, so Penry disguises himself as Hong Kong Fui by jumping into a filing cabinet. Um, and he pretty okay. much gets stuck like almost every time and then has to get like unstuck by his striped pet cat named Spot. Once disguised, he gets equipped with the Fui Mobile vehicle that transforms itself into a boat, a plane, or a telephone booth, depending on what he needs. Um, he often relies on his copy of the Hong Kong Book of Kung Fu, a correspondence course, mm. martial arts instruction handbook. Um, the character was originally voiced by Scatman Crothers, who was a prolific oh. musician and actor. You might recognize him as playing Dick Halloran in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, mm-hmm. For more on Kubrick and his films, go all the way back and check out episode 58 what's the plan stanley kubrick wow that was a long time ago it was a long time ago (laughs) but yeah like he was like a like an you know a prolific musician and actor voicing hong kong fui and i can kind of remember like the theme song kind of it's like hong kong fui yeah Mm kind of yeah it's very catchy like a little racist (laughs) (laughs) it was it was the 60s yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Captain Caveman. Oh boy! You no, know what? I should I have, have talked never about heard Captain Caveman after Jabberjaw. So I'm sorry. Um, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels follows the mystery-solving no. adventures of the Teen Angels named Brenda, Dee Dee, and Taffy, and their friend <sighs> Captain Caveman, or KV for short. He's a prehistoric caveman and superhero whom the girls thawed from a block of ice. 
he is a cartoon caveman of indeterminate age, possibly two million years old. Um, he pulls various objects from his long body hair that covers his whole body <laughs> yeah, except his for whole his body. nose and arms and legs. He can also fly. Um, what? Although that, that happens to fail him at the worst possible moment, usually. Speaks in stereotypical caveman talk, often mumbles the mm. nonsense phrase, ungabunga. Um, <laughs> his trademark is his battle cry of Captain Caveman. <laughs> okay, Why so Captain Caveman, captain? like, you don't remember him, whatever. He was no. voiced by Mel Blanc. Oh, okay. The same guy who was... Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and Barney Rubble and like 996 oh other characters uh, because Mel Blanc is often referred to as the man of a thousand voices and mm-hmm, Captain mm-hmm. Caveman was among those. You know, it's funny how the like main character survives, but it's their backing <laughs> the band angels? somehow. You does- don't remember them? No, I don't. Do you, who's your favorite character? My favorite character is Taffy, the Teen Angel from <laughs> Taffy Caveman <laughs> and the Teen Man. Angels. I do like like there's you know the I'm looking at the Teen Angels right now, and they're all very beautiful, curvy ladies who are wearing like one's wearing bell bottoms and one has a mini dress on, another one's in a mini skirt with high boots, and you know of course you have your brunette and your blonde and your black girl with a nice afro and like they're all like sassy and beautiful and they're all like this is our lead singer Captain <laughs> 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 what, the, what the fuck <laughs> oh boy oh no. well I got a few more for you uh, the great oh, grape wait. ape oh I, I told Steve that I would squeal when you said grape ape okay. so there you go there you go Steve uh, grape ape a 40-foot purple gorilla who wears a green baseball cap, a short sleeve jacket, and a bow tie. And he has the mind of a child. Um, He basically just like says his name twice, Grape Ape, Grape Ape, after anything anybody (laughs) says. Um, Grape Ape and his friend Beagle Beagle usually ride around in a small Mm -hmm. yellow van um, that like Grape Ape has to like sit on the roof that can somehow support its weight. Um, And his show aired in 1975. Um, I'm talking about him because he is a a 40 a 40 foot purple gorilla. Um, uh, yeah. Also, here you go. Great babe. Also the name of a cannabis strain. It's mostly I was just about to indica. say that. Uh, it crosses several other strains and is named for its distinct sweet grape smell. Also, the mm. buds are big, dense, and purple. And its noted medical use is for insomnia, stress, and headaches. <gasps> yeah. Man, I gotta get me some grape babe, huh? Some grape ape. I'm uh, looking at a photo of it and it is... That's that's some weed right there. Yeah, it sure is. Um, so kind of the opposite of a forty pound purple gorilla is Adam <laughs> Ant, who is the world's smallest superhero. Um, mm. he's a cartoon who co starred in the Adam Ant Secret Squirrel show from nineteen sixty five to nineteen sixty seven. He's a tiny little brown ant with a white helmet and an orange sweater with a purple A on it. And his oh, powers yes. included the ability to fly, super speed, incredible strength, and invulnerability. And his catchphrase was up and Adam, Adam Ant. Um he has he's shown very up. cute. He's very cute. And he's shown up in a lot of other like Hanna-Barbera shows and a lot of mm. crossovers. And I have to point out now, um, there are so many crossover shows, like so many times that these characters will show yeah. up in other in other shows. And um, I'll talk about the, one of the more recent shows about this um, at the end of my section here. Um, but okay. just keep that in mind. Some other original characters by Hanna-Barbera. You've definitely heard of 
Johnny okay. Quest. Oh, Johnny oh, Quest yeah, is in Barbera. Um, he's an 11 year old boy with blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin. He's usually dressed in black, long sleeve shirts with light brown or blue pants. He's the son of Dr. Benton Quest and often accompanies his father on scientific expeditions. Um, he has an adoptive brother and best friend named Haji and his bodyguard tutor, Race Bannon. And they also have a pet mm. dog named Bandit. Um, so the Johnny Quest franchise began in 1964 with a one season series, but has since launched comic books, movies, video games, mm-hmm. more TV series, etc. And the series has very like sci-fi magical monster elements in it as well. Mm-hmm. Space Ghost created oh, in 1966. Yes, Coast Coast. Well, its mm-hmm. sequel series was Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, sure, of course. Its original show was 1966. Space Ghost Coast to Coast was on the Cartoon Network um, 1994, 1999. So Space mm-hmm. Ghost is an intergalactic crime fighter from the ghost planet with the power to be invisible called inviso power via his Mm. special belt um he can fly he can survive in space his principal weapons were his power bands which displayed multiple beam-based attacks like heat and cold and magnetism and energy um in his original incarnation he was a superhero who with his teen sidekicks jan and jace and also blip the monkey because you need a you need an animal they fought supervillains in outer space um his, his sequel series by Cartoon Network in the 90s was um, he has his own fictional late night talk show. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Birdman, yet Mm -hmm. another original um, Hanna-Barbera character, 1967. Although he... He's an ordinary human who's been endowed by the sun god Ra with the ability to shoot solar rays from his fists and he can project (laughs) quasi-solid solar shields to defend himself. Um, His sequel series, which you probably are all more familiar with at this point, is Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law from Adults. Which I, you know, I do not like adult cartoons, but I loved and love Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. They did a very funny send up of like the Sopranos using the Flintstones. Like he has to like represent Fred Flintstone because uh-huh. he may have put a hit out on like another guy who worked at the quarry kind of yep. thing. It's it's very good. That's the very episode that Josh showed me like a week ago. <laughs> I I really enjoy it. Yes, so it's pretty good. So Lauren is not full of absolutes because no, she hates, I am not. She full. hates Hannah Barbera's and she hates um, adult cartoons, but she <laughs> likes Harvey Birdman attorney at law. I am a woman full of nuances and surprises, mm-hmm. Julia. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about the Hannah Barbera educational film strips. Oh, they I were, don't think I know about these. You might not. Um, you, you might have some older relatives who do. Mm. Uh, so this was a series of animated educational material from 1977 to 1980. So Hanna-Barbera's Productions Educational Division produced a total of 26 titles, which featured the studio's animated characters. So this was designed mm. for elementary and secondary school children. And the voices for the animated characters were provided by the same voice actors from their respective television series. So... Um, in the middle of this episode, we're doing a mini quiz. I will give oh. you the title and synopsis of a potential Hanna-Barbera educational film strip. And you tell me if this was real or if it was something I made up. Ooh, okay. All I'm right. Ex- okay, I'm excited. All right. Mm-hmm. Here, I'll do a title and a synopsis. Uh, Yogi okay. Bear visits his medical friends 
Yogi and Boo Boo learn about the equipment and procedures used by various types of medical personnel and overcome their fears of going to a doctor, dentist, or hospital. Is that real or made up? I think that's real. It is real. Um, Let's go to press. Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, and Velma study newspaper production, which includes objectivity, insight, legal aspects, photojournalism, and mechanics of printing. Is that Uh, real or made up? I'm going to say that's real. That is real. All right. Smashed. Bam Bam and Pebbles witness a drunk driving accident and then learn about the dangers of operating machinery under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Is this real or made up? I'm going to say that's made up. I made that one up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was good. That's very good, though. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> and down to earth nutrition. Elroy Jetson learns in history about the food that people ate in the 20th century. And the Jetson's computer teaches them about food groups and planning a balanced diet. Is that real or I'm made gonna say up? That's, that's real. That one is real. Yes. Nice. So, I mean, I would have watched. Would have been great. Any of those. I would have watched any yeah. of those. There's, you know, some that are probably a little more dated than others at this point. But I, I mean, thought that was that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. Hannah Barbera has also produced some animated adaptations over time that seem interesting. Mm. These are all real. I'm just going to okay. give you a list of names. These are these are Please. all real animated adaptations by Hannah Barbera. Laurel and Hardy, 66 to 67. <laughs> the Abbott and Costello cartoon show, 67 to 68. Moby Dick okay. and Mighty Midor, 1967 what? and 1969. The Partridge Family, 2200 AD, 1974 to 1975. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Fonz and the Happy Days Gang, 1980 to 1981. The Pac-Man and Rubik the Amazing Cube Hour, 1983 no, to 1984. In which it. Rubik... the the Amazing Cube was an actual animated character. They took the popularity of the Rubik's Cube and they were like, how can we how make can this we, a cartoon? How can we entertain children with this some more? Uh, in 1988, they did the completely mental misadventures of Ed Grimley. Um, that's that character that Martin Short did on SCTV. And oh, yeah. they also, their final like crazy animated adaptation was Dumb and Dumber from 1995 no. to 1996. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it didn't do great. All right. Um, no. So Hanna-Barbera, wildly influential on not just the cartoon, but the television landscape for close to four decades, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in their long partnership, they worked with more than 2,000 animated characters. And they are wow. often considered Walt Disney's only true rivals in cartoon animation. Interesting. So Turner Broadcasting acquired Hanna-Barbera in 1991, and they launched the Cartoon Network the following year, basically to air its massive library of cartoon classics, many of which were Hanna-Barbera creations. Um, And Hannah and Barbera remained heads of the company until that 1991 buyout. That studio was absorbed into Warner Brothers Animation in 2001. Warner Brothers has continued to create new output based on Hannah Barbera's legacy properties. Um, So that's why you'll see some like new adaptations of things. I had no idea that Cartoon Network was a Hannah Barbera like property, basically. Well, so basically Turner... Turner Broadcasting had a lot of stuff. That's why you had like the Turner Movies Network. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. It's just like, well, we own all the rights to all these. Like, why don't we put them on television and make them. Yeah. Make us. Okay, that makes sense. So it was more. I got Turner had this and they were like, well, we own a lot of cartoons now. Yeah. So basically it was like, like, basically it was like Ted Turner was like, how do I make more money? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Ted Turner for you. Um, um, 
<laughs> oh, okay. So that's why they had like all of these that's like fun why parodies. So many of them. Yeah, because gotcha, then gotcha, they gotcha. had the rights, the characters. Um, Interesting. And I have to bring up Jellystone exclamation point um jellystone is an american animated streaming tv comedy developed by ch greenblatt for hbo max so again this is produced by warner brothers animation it features reimagined versions of various characters by hannah barbera that focuses on a modernized ensemble of the characters so in contrast with some previous hannah barbera media some of the established male characters are now portrayed as female for the sake of gender balance um some other fun tidbits about the show huckleberry hound is the mayor of jellystone Yogi Bear is a surgeon. Uh, Doggy Daddy mm. is a lighthouse keeper. Magilla Gorilla is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins, and he owns a haberdashery. Um, <laughs> Top Cat is voiced by Thomas Lennon. He's still the leader of a gang of cats. Like it's, wow. it just sounds, it just sounds very fun. And I, I'm gonna check it out when I have some time. Yeah, I had never heard of this. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you gotta, gotta, I told you when they were born, gotta tell you when they died. Bill Hanna passed mm. away at age 90 in 2001 from throat cancer. And in 2006, oh. Joe Barbera died of natural causes at the age of 95. Wow. So these men, good for them, again, had a huge impact on the television landscape for decades mm-hmm. and decades. They created all these original characters, not to mention like the ones I did not mention. Apparently, Josh reminded me that they did Super Friends and I was like, I'm not even going to talk about that. So like it's no all these characters that all these shows and these characters that have been around for decades that you can still Mm -hmm. tune into Cartoon Network and watch a lot of them streaming services and and everything. But I think that they're they are from a different time, but also the characters are to those of us that like them kind of timeless <laughs> you're never I gonna let me live this down I keep forgetting <laughs> just forget just forget it's okay just just let it forget Why we didn't have just this podcast it. anymore <laughs> i'm sorry everybody this is our last episode because <laughs> because we have found the one thing that has inexorably rendered julia and i apart for the rest of our First relationship she throws shade on taylor swift at the top of the episode i didn't throw shade at taylor swift i thought it was a funny thing what how is someone who cries during the ap english exam and still gets a five is a bad thing i don't know it feels bad though it's not bad anyway it's not bad i'm done talking about my episode i'm ready to do a quiz for everybody (laughs) it was very good thank you julia that was a very good episode i learned a lot Uh, our quiz is called spin to win this is a quiz on some of the most successful television show spinoffs of all time Um, so basically i'll name for you the parent show and a brief summary about the spinoff and you name me the spinoff all right yeah all right question one from the tracy ullman show a nuclear family residing at 742 Evergreen Terrace, starring a blue-collar worker, a housewife, and three children who haven't aged in 34 seasons. Question two. From Happy Days. Shlomiel Shlomazel. Two friends and roommates work as bottle cappers in the Schatz Brewery. Hilarity ensues. Question three. From the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse. A sci-fi horror anthology series in the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, presenting standalone episodes in the dimension of imagination. Question four. From All in the Family. A dry cleaner and his wife move er, up from Queens to Manhattan. Question five. From Cheers. Two brothers in the same profession, residing in the Emerald City, enjoy the finer things in life. 
Question six. From Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, two shows currently airing on PBS Kids. One set in the neighborhood of make-believe, the other in the land of someplace else. Question seven. From Beavis and Butthead. A smart, cynical, somewhat misanthropic teen observes the world around her in the town of Lawndale. Question eight. From Perfect Strangers. Over nine seasons, a middle-class Chicago family learns to love their genius inventor neighbor. Question nine. From NCIS. A military drama and police procedural based in the Office of Special Projects, starring James Todd Smith and a guy who once played Dick Grayson, which is now in its 14th season. And question 10. From the kids of Degrassi Street to Degrassi Junior High to Degrassi High, the subsequent series in this chronology, with an ensemble cast of students, including Spinner, Paige, and Jimmy, who face various young adult issues at their community school. I will give you a minute to think about it, and then we'll be back with your answers. I was doing so good until those last two. Do, do, do. Um, I should also point out, do you know what one of the, well, do you, do you know what one of the first television spinoffs was, Lauren? Oh, gee. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. One of the first ones that was very successful, the Andy Griffith show. That was a spinoff? That was a spinoff. Characters were first seen on the Danny Thomas show. And then later, the Andy Griffith show spun off both Gomer Pyle, USMC, and Mm -hmm. Mayberry RFD. So people have been been spinning off. Spinning. Spinning off since the beginning of time. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, So, all right. Number one from the Tracy Ullman show, a nuclear family residing at 742 Evergreen Terrace. Oh, that's The Simpsons. It is The Simpsons. Season 34 started in September 2022. Wild. Wild. Yes. Um, So the background of this, if you're not familiar, cartoonist Matt Groening created the comic strip Life in Hell in 1978. TV producer James L. Brooks asked him to adapt that comic for an animated sequence on the Fox show, The Tracy Ullman Show. But Groening didn't want to lose ownership rights of his Life in Hell characters, so he created a new set of characters that he kind of modeled off of his own family. So The Simpsons' first TV appearance was in a two-minute short called Good Night that aired April 19, 1987. And then their own spinoff show debuted as a half-hour primetime animated show in December 1989. Interesting. Now, I bet you were not allowed to watch The Simpsons as a child. I was not allowed to watch I The Simpsons. I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons either. And then... No. Because he Do said you know things what? like, eat my shorts. Oh, see, ours was... It was because he was disrespectful to his father. <laughs> 
literally why Ooh. last time my parents were visiting, I, I, my sister and I went through all of the things that we were not allowed to watch and why. And yeah. to, to my father's modicum of credit, he was like, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, well you <laughs> scarred us for life. So thanks a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile. Uh, okay. From happy days, Shlemiel Shlemazel, two friends and roommates work as bottle cappers in the shots brewery and hilarity ensues. I did love this show. This is Laverne and Shirley. Yes, of course, is Laverne and Shirley starring Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams as Laverne DeFazio and Shirley Feeney. It's set in Milwaukee for the first five seasons. Um, Michael McCain and David Leander co-starred as their friends and neighbors, Lenny and Squiggy. Laverne is the only character to have appeared in all 178 episodes of the series. That's eight seasons. Question three, from the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse, a sci-fi horror anthology series in the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. Uh, Steve and I watch this every New Year's. This is the Twilight Zone. It is the Twilight Zone. Why do you watch it every New Year's? It started out because the sci-fi channel did a Twilight Zone marathon every New Year's Eve, and I would watch it with my dad. Oh. And so then we just started doing it and trying to find it. Like I think it's on Hulu now or something like that. Well, yeah, it was a spinoff from the Desilu Playhouse. So I had no idea. The, um, the episode called The Time Element, that was Rod Serling's 1957 pilot pitch for a sci-fi show, which was a time travel adventure about a man who travels back to Honolulu in 1941 and unsuccessfully tries to mm. warn everyone about Pearl Harbor. So oh, that geez. script was rejected. <laughs> yeah, just really exciting man. TV. Um, so that script was rejected and shelved for about a year until it was produced as an episode of Desilu Playhouse in 1958. So the Desilu Playhouse was sponsored by Westinghouse. It debuted in 1958, was hosted by Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, and um, it showed comedies and dramas and musicals, as well as Lucy kind of performing skits and non-Lucy type characters. So, Mm. you know, back when back when we had Playhouse shows like that. Yeah, like kind of variety-esque type things. Mm -hmm. All right, question four. From All in the Family, a dry cleaner and his wife move on up from Queens to Manhattan. That's the Jeffersons. It is the Jeffersons. Um, it was on for 11 seasons. That's 253 mm. episodes. It's the second longest running American TV series with a predominantly black cast. Oh. Um, the number one one is actually Tyler Perry's House of Pain, which beat it in 2012. Oh. Um, Jeffersons created by Norman Lear, of course. Um, it mm. focuses on George and Louise a.k.a. Wheezy Jefferson, who were played by Sherman Hemsley and Isabel Sanford, who a prosperous African-American couple who were next door neighbors to Archie and Edith Bunker on the mm-hmm. on All in the Family. Um, so what's interesting, I think, is their spinoff kind of happened in real time. Like one week on an episode of All in the Family, like they were mm-hmm. saying, Edith was like saying goodbye to the Jeffersons. And like the next week, the Jeffersons premiered, which I think is oh, kind of... Oh, that's interesting. I think that's kind oh, of funny. I kind of like that. Um, in 1981, Isabel Sanford became the only, the second black actress to win a primetime Emmy award. And so oh far, God. she's the only black actress to win for outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. Really? Um, yeah, exactly. Like Jean Smart won it and won it this year in 2022. Quinta Brunson mm-hmm. was nominated for the category. Yeah. Her Emmy was actually the one she won was for outstanding writing for a comedy series. Yeah. So she didn't get that actor Emmy, but that's blows Still my mind. Cra- Still crazy. All right, question five from Cheers. Two brothers in the same profession, residing in the Emerald City, enjoying the fire and things in life. Please, that's Fraser. Yes, of course. 
Toss salad, scrambled eggs, yada, yada, yep. yada. I want to talk about the other Cheers spinoff, the one that didn't get 37 Emmys. It's called Which The one? Tortellis. No. <laughs> so I this, do not know this. This was based on Nick Tortelli, who is the sleazy ex-husband of the Cheers character, Carla Tortelli, played by Rhea Perlman. Um, oh. So this is about Nick trying to reconcile with his second wife, Loretta, who's moved out to Las Vegas to live with her sister after she discovered him taking a shower with the Avon lady. <laughs> This was not a popular show. Um, no. <laughs> TV writer Bill Kelly wrote, quote, the Italian-American Anti-Defamation League should be about as enchanted with Nick Tortelli oh, as it was man. with the Untouchables. Um, this just seems to be upheld as a very terrible example as the show premise, even 35 years later. Sure. Yeah. Um, I also want to note that sometimes, uh, speaking of spinoffs of cheers sometimes people think that wings is a spinoff of cheers it was not um okay so the show wings which was steven weber and tim daly vehicle about a mm-hmm. small two airline airport in nantucket um takes place in the same universe as cheers and frazier so like several okay. episodes had tie-ins with cheers um kelsey Grammer was nominated actually for his guest appearance on wings mm-hmm. um as well as bb newerth and george went and john ratzenberg and kirstie alley all appeared on wings playing their cheers characters but Wings did not come out of Cheers, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's, par- just, it's par- part of the Cheers-averse, they're in the, if you They're will. in the same universe, but it, yes, the show but, didn't happen, wasn't like, yeah, the characters yeah. from Wings never were on Cheers to get a spinoff. Got you. Just, makes sense. You know, TV is one of my, one of oh, my strengths yeah. in Learned League, so I just want to bring this out. All right, you should get to know this one, Lauren. Um, for Mr. I Rogers' should. Neighborhood, uh, two shows currently airing on PBS Kids, one in the neighborhood of make-believe, the other in the land of someplace else. So I only got one of the two, mm-hmm. and that's Daniel Tiger. Is Full that title? one of them? Oh, Daniel Full Tiger. <laughs> oh, jeez. Daniel Tiger, uh, eating vegetables is good for you. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a kid's Daniel Tiger, Prince of... The land of make-believe. I don't know. <laughs> the, the sweet prince. It's, Daniel Tiger, colon, the sweet prince. <laughs> it's pretty good. Thanks. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Oh. No. oh. And that's, it's been on. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Okay, from 2012 okay. to the present. And the second one has been on since 2021. Um, it's called mm. Donkey Hody. Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah, I think you were telling me about this. I was telling you this. about this. Okay, so yes. we are very deep in Daniel Tiger territory in our house mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show is typically two 11-minute segments. It link, It's linked by a common like socio-emotional theme, such as mm-hmm. disappointment or sadness or anger or thankfulness. <laughs> um, and they often use a musical motif phrase, which the show calls a strategy song that reinforces the theme and helps children remember the life lessons. And you, got, you know yes. what? It works with two-year-olds. So we, there's a lot it. we've learned lately. Like when you wait, you can play, sing or imagine anything. So like waiting is hard sometimes, especially when you're a toddler. But like, it's okay. Like there's lots of things you can do while you wait. Yeah. And we will sing that one. Um, there's also <laughs> one that's just like, grown-ups come back. <laughs> like, you know, so like, if sad. you, yeah, right? But it works. It's like, you know, oh, you know, you got to go, yeah, babe, I'm going to drop you off at, at daycare. Oh my God. But don't worry, I'll see you at the end of the day because grown-ups come back. <laughs> oh my God, that's there's actually, can, I, can I tell you something? Ever since having a kid, 
And I'm, I'm hoping that I will grow a hard callus around this at some point, but I have become so much more emotional about children. It's not even funny. Like if I see, right. Yeah. If (laughs) I see a little boy that's upset, like in the grocery store, I have to walk away or I will also start crying. And the fact of the matter is, is like, he's probably crying because he wants like a candy and like, he's just a toddler and that's how they express themselves. But there's something inside me that's like, give him the candy. He's just so sad. I don't give him the candy. I'll buy him a candy. So, oh boy. Well, you got a lot. You got a lot ahead of you, girl. I know. I really do. I'm going to have to, I don't know, take some pills or something. I don't know. (laughs) Or else this kid is just going to run me ragged. Like he's going to be just an absolute monster. Oh, so that's so that's pretty much Daniel <laughs> Tiger. Don Quixote is live action puppets. So there's Don Quixote. Oh, okay. She's the girl. Um, donkey. And there's Purple Panda, which again, I think I've told you, I'm so mad that the panda's name is not Sanjo Panda. Uh, that's, I mean, it's a missed opportunity. It's really missed opportunity. Uh, there's also Bob Dog and Duck Duck and some other characters. And they like solve problems. It's also cute. Okay. It's cute. Great. Less, I love it. Less sing-songy than... Uh, Daniel Tiger, but mm-hmm. all right. Question seven from Beavis and Butthead. A smart, cynical, somewhat misanthropic teen observes the world around her in the town of Lawndale. This was my nickname in college, Daria. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Why was it your nickname in college? Oh, because when I did improv, I was so nervous about getting up to do games that it, it manifested as like over it kind of face. So they'd be like, Lauren, get up here. And I'd be like, fine. And then everyone would go, nah, 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 nah. Because <laughs> it made me come off like I didn't care. But in fact, I was so scared that I wanted to throw up. So that's a little insight. <laughs> <laughs> really unpacking a lot tonight. I'm still not good at improv. <laughs> <laughs> so Daria was on TV from 1997 to 2002. Um, When it was finally released on DVD, Daria, the complete series, the creator Glenn Eichler said in the notes that 99% of the music has been changed because the cost of licensing the many music bites we used would have made it Mm. impossible to release the collection and for many years did. So I think that that's kind of a common thing is um, stuff, especially from like the 80s and 90s. We're all like, why can't I get this show on? Like, why can't I see this show anywhere? I remember... um, in college, I had some friends that were still upset that they couldn't get like the Wonder Years on DVD oh, because yeah. it was like they just couldn't license the music for it. And mm-hmm. like, so those episodes just either they couldn't license it or like they had to change it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that has happened with, I think, some of the early Nickelodeon shows too. I think, like, I know Josh is personally upset that he can't get season three of Adventures Pete of Pete, Pete. Pete yes. on DVD. That's, they, they that's a big it one. And then they took it away. So. It's it's heartbreaking because that show ruled. It's still good. still holds up, I think. Absolutely. All right. Question eight from Perfect Strangers. Over nine seasons, a middle-class Chicago family learns to love their genius inventor neighbor. I didn't know this was a spinoff. Is this Family Matters? It is Family Matters. I loved I, this show. I mentioned this in a quiz like many moons ago, but I thought it was worth bringing back. Um, so Joe Marie Payton played Harriet Winslow, who was an elevator operator. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Time check um at a newspaper where larry appleton and bulky bartokamas also worked um uh, i see family matters was the last live action scripted primetime show that debuted in the 1980s to leave the air and it outlasted okay. all other primetime network debuts of the 1980s except for the simpsons okay 
All right. Wow. Yeah. That that's some like real like long lasting. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, it was on for a long time. Yeah. It was on for a long time. And again, like this is another show that you could just you could just do a whole episode about. Um, sure. Like. Uh, the Steve Urkel character was mm-hmm. only meant to like be on for a couple episodes, but because you know they like to find a, a nerdy kid with a catchphrase and run it into the mm-hmm. ground, that's why he ended up kind of becoming the star of the show. Um, just related in 2021, Jaleel White launched his own cannabis brand with a strain called Purple Urkel. <laughs> Tie that back. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, you know. weirdly enough, a lot of weed. Coming up, information in this yeah. look at look i wrote that you just provide the I facts just providing yeah. the facts all mm-hmm. right question nine and like don't think too hard but th- okay you know, think about it. question nine from ncis a military drama and police procedural based in the office of special projects starring james todd smith and a guy who once played dick grayson now in its 14th season don't think you're telling me don't think too hard of it don't it, think too it. hard like don't overthink it Okay. Is it NCIS Los Angeles? It is NCIS Los Angeles. Oh my God. Okay, great. I did not think very hard about that. CBS figured out their formula. So the parent series NCIS has been on the air since 2003. No. That's the third longest running scripted non-animated primetime series still airing. NCIS itself is a spinoff from JAG. Um, Yes, I remember JAG. And NCIS has not only spun off NCIS Los Angeles, which has been on since 2009, they've mm-hmm. also spun off NCIS New Orleans from 2014 yep. to 2021 and NCIS Hawaii from 2021 to the present. And um, what will be airing in the next year or so is NCIS Sydney, Australia. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So that hasn't aired yet. But, um, but yeah, it just, you know, they can't. They got a formula. They f- and they're sticking with it. They, I mean, hey. The old people are watching it, so. <laughs> they sure are. All right. And finally, question 10. From the kids of Degrassi Street to Degrassi Junior High to Degrassi High, the subsequent series in this chronology with an ensemble cast of students, including Spinner, Paige, and Jimmy, who face various young adult issues at their community school. Is this, it's Degrassi, colon, the new class. Is that, is that anything? No. Degrassi, colon, fresh meat. <laughs> sorry. 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 Um, <laughs> I'm just going to get pornier and pornier, so, so you might as well from, tell me. It's been on from, two, it was on 2001 to 2015. This was, okay. so a good, solid 14 years. Degrassi, yeah. the next generation. Ah, shoot. I was close with the new class, too. We were very close. So there are some characters that kind of, you know, like they're in high school, so they really should only be there for like four years. But there are some yeah. characters that like stretched it out. Maybe they were someone's older brother or older sister. <laughs> mm. Maybe they became mm-hmm. a teacher at the school. Yeah. Um, Fresh out of high thing. school. So <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I can name any any people who were on the show for like the full run of it. But um but there's there was a, a period there, the early two thousands, where engineer Josh was just. I missed the Degrassi train completely. I did not even like hear about Degrassi as a thing until literally Drake started making music. Like <laughs> and they were I, like this I, kid who used to be yeah, Degrassi. Literally, like I had no idea that this was a TV show, but I knew a bunch of people that like were like, oh yeah, I used to watch it all the time. Like I missed that boat. Shout out to Corinne, who once dated Drake. <sighs> God bless Corinne. 
Hope you're doing okay, Corinne, up in, <laughs> up in America's hat. <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, so Degrassi the Next Generation was followed by Degrassi Next Class. Next Class. Yes. Okay. 2016 to 2017. So um, I'm sure that something else is coming around the bend, but. I mean, <sighs> guaranteed. Yeah. So that is it. That's it. Good job, Jewel. That was a great quiz. Yeah. Shut my computer. <laughs> um, next time I'll and she's find done. a topic that oh in- man here we go she, she is just <laughs> ringing this out <laughs> tell That's me it. in the middle of my episode okay <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry I thought this was I thought this was the trust tree Julia no. I thought we could tell each other well, this is a professional organization we're running <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't even talk outside of this thing <laughs> That's the only time we talk is when we're on the podcast. We don't talk to each other unless we're recording it. Honestly, like, wow, that's our bread and butter. You know, that's how we rake in the cash. <laughs> I couldn't even finish the sentence. <laughs> you know, because this podcast is so lucrative for us. We have tens of listeners. Tens of listeners all around the world. That still surprises me. I know it's really fun. Um, but anyway, thank you, Julia. That was a very good episode and I enjoyed it truthfully you know i wouldn't if lie you're to you in a latin american country and you can tell me why top cat is still so popular i would love yes. to hear that yeah i'm very curious as to why that's a thing well i mean the is it the danish that love donald duck or is it oh yeah or is somebody it the loves donald duck it's some it's some eu country that is like obsessed with donald duck and they watch it at christmas i think is it the swedes i don't know if you're swedish tell know? us yeah I we guess don't. We'll never know. <laughs> hey, we're just misinformation here. Okay, we can, we don't have all the answers. Either uh, way, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. All ten of you <laughs> out there across this beautiful blue planet blue of ours. Yep, this beautiful blue marble. Um, and uh, yeah, we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Even. <laughs> <laughs>